Gibney says we boomers benefited from investments in roads, new schools, education. But when it was the boomers' turn to give, we continued to take. The average age of this 52nd parliament is 49 years old. Okay, boomer. Current political institutions have proven themselves incompetent of thinking outside of a short political term. Change is so regularly sacrificed for power. Okay, we bought houses when they were way cheaper, but does that make us sociopaths? We're talking about the Millennial Millions clip. Now, you'll notice that we watched the Saturday Night Live, uh, the the spoof on um, why millennials and younger generations are angry at boomers. We were not watching that clip on YouTube. <laughs> they, uh, I don't know if it's because it went into the Saturday Night Live uh, vault that it was in a season that went away. It was recent, though. Like, the, the reason why this is important is it was it came out in the last like three or four years um so there are redditors who are speculating that they removed that clip because it was too ageist that it was divisive um between millennials boomers and gen xers gets to be like elderly abuse kind of thing bullying of some 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 sort right yeah it Proper. could it could very easily be seen as bullying and that's that's what today's episode is about is the younger generations bullying the older generation and and whether or not it's fair um and i apologize to do this to you but we're i'm going to recap real quick what the generation ranges are we have the grayest generation that was born in 1901 to 1927 they punched nazis in the face um they stabilized the economy uh they came home and and you know, built the middle class, they demanded picket fences, they had 3.5 kids, and they had a lot of sex. And what that led to is um, the biggest age cohort we've ever seen on the earth. Like, like they, they had so many children, um, they, they made the baby boomers. Um, after, uh, so when they, were, when they were fighting in the war, the teenagers that were currently living were the silent generation. When they grew up, they didn't have a war to fight. They just quietly put their head down and went to work and lived in the economy that the greatest generation established. So that's that's why they're called the silent generation is they basically just uh, worked within the system built by the greatest generation, the, the Nazi punchers. Baby boomers were basically one of the first generations born in advanced medicine times. So they were effectively the biggest bubble of uh, living people's who have come out of, you know, uh, modern society. Well, I guess too, it's, uh, you know, we think about longevity of life that starts from when you're born and then the vaccines and the, and the health and the food and right. Nutrition. Right. They weren't dying of polio or, or whatever, you know, FDR had during world war two. So like you're, you're dead on. Um, and so if you're, you're a baby boomer, uh, according to the, the internet, if you are born between, 1946 and 1964. Um, so you're, you're, you know, the, the older boomers are born so that they're effectively teenagers during Woodstock, if that gives you an idea of when that is. Um, now, we established uh, earlier that Todd is part of Generation X. Um, Generation X, again, were teenagers when the baby boomers were adult working years. Um, they were born 1965 to 1980. And in that Millennial Millions uh, skit, 
I, I think they make the joke uh um the host of the the fake uh, millennial million show where they are bashing on you know how much boomers have taken from the economy um keenan makes a joke of i'm generation x i just sit on the sidelines and watch the world burn <laughs> that's that's your generation todd uh, according to um pop sounds culture. about right that sounds yeah. about right yeah the, <laughs> the skit is very funny saturday night live to me is either hilarious or it's horrible this this is definitely a hilarious one and it's definitely relatable because everything they say is true yeah and and it's and it, it it I think it stoked contention, which is why I think it's it's off YouTube. Um, but yeah, it it was dead on everything they said, and that's why it's the it was kind of the inception of the the idea for this episode, which is let's talk about boomer hatred in culture, because after your generation comes the generation that truly puts out hatred toward the boomers. That's the millennials. Now I am technically a millennial. I am almost too old to be a millennial. Um, 1981 to 1996, and I'm at the very start of that cohort. And the reason why um, they make the joke that Generation X is sitting on the sidelines is because they're too small of a voting cohort to change much. Like the silent generation, um, they're a smaller cohort. They don't get as many votes. They don't sit in as many seats in Congress. Um, so like, they don't have the, the hand on the power lever uh, like other big voting groups do. Millennials do. Millennials are big. Not as big as baby boomers to start with. Um, but they're they're big enough to well, basically suffer through the economy that was built. Um, after us is the generation that people are starting to be afraid of, which is the, the young generation just entering the workforce and coming out with college degrees, which is Generation Z. And then their children, which I've never heard this term before, is the Generation Alpha. That's 2013 to present. Now, I don't know who's doing all the mockery. I suspect it's mostly millennials. But there is so much anger toward uh, boomers that it's getting ridiculous. Um, I was reading article after article of uh, boomers who are columnists for major magazines defending um, their generation. And they seemed shocked that there was so much hate. Um, you sent me uh, a clip or, or no, you sent me um, to, to the, the show Righteous Gem Gemstones, which is a hilarious show about a super church uh, mega or church, mega church yeah. Yeah, family who runs Joel, it. Joel Osteen size spoof. Almost. Right. Yeah. And it's got these great comedians. It's got Danny McBride in it and stuff. But out of nowhere, like like they're not even talking about boomers in the righteous gemstones. They randomly just stop and like like the sister is like just says boomers are an entitled selfish generation, and then there's no joke after that. That's just it. They she just <laughs> says it. Um, in the Saturday Night Live skit, um, they, they, there's a joke where like this millennial is is playing. I think I think she's playing for like Social Security. Um. And and she is bashing on a boomer who walks out or uh, yeah, she's bashing on a boomer who walks out and is going to take the Social Security. She just won on this game show and she is complaining. She's like, this woman worked as a banker for 30 stable years, got an eight million dollar severance and moved to Key West. And and then there's another boomer who's like he owns six vintage cars, yet somehow he's an orthodontist. The point SNL was making there is that being born in an era of stability. um. It, it built the average person's wealth up like the stability built people's wealth up, not necessarily hard work or cunning. And that's, 
not my point. That is the point SNL is making is that you didn't have to be smart to get rich at the end. There, there are books, uh, self-help books that were written in the boomer era about how everybody can be a millionaire. And it was actually true. Like there, <laughs> there, there is, you know, if you were smart, you put away your money, uh, wisely you invested the well, there's average pensions there's pensions too there was a, it was different it was just a different playing field there wasn't 401s that you have to actually save money it was actually just given to you right it's a little different yeah yeah companies, the, the, companies to hire you had to have that it wasn't it was the it was the standard you know right and the, the reason all that existed um is pensions oh my god that's a whole episode uh, medical insurance, that's a whole episode. The way loans are handled, especially student loans, that's a whole episode. These are all systems that were put into place by the um, the greatest generation who came back and just had so many demands. Like, like they survived the worst war we've seen and they were like, no, we have so many demands that we, you know, we need these things from work. Like they, they changed a, a industrial society that basically, you know, never treated them right. They came home and they voted and they got, you know, representation. They, they got into city councils. They got into Congress. They changed things. And that system that had so many good safety nets and so many um, uh, uh, safer avenues of saving money. Um, and that's, that's the thing is those all exist today. They're just not as safe as they used to be or, or they're trickier or they're predatory. Um, in, the, in the category of, of weird boomer hate... George Carlin has like a rant about them. Like he goes on this like like five minutes and he just talks about like here's a here's a direct quote. He says, baby booners are whiny, narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy. Give me that. It's mine. And then he yells that over and over again on stage. Give me that. It's mine. <laughs> when I have seen this in my in my day job, I do estimates for a construction company and um, there really is an excess of everything you know the the one of the satellite scope they're talking about the guy having seven guitars and seven vintage cars and three different houses and then complaining about taxes and 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 then saying i can't retire because you know and it it, it it's just like a greed factor of you know i don't even have time to drive these cars or play all these guitars <laughs> right i am i'm managing my own savings and wealth and and yeah my vault <laughs> it's a job um, so we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to bust myths here. I, I want to go through this step-by-step step, like a courtroom and figure out is all the boomer hatred justified? Um, what did the boomers actually accomplish? What have they left in place for the younger generations? Um, who is defending, uh, boomers right now in the, um, pop culture? Uh, so we're going to hear from magazines, uh, and, and like editors and columnists and you know people in the news and and just who are the voices defending boomers? Who are the voices telling them you know go go die in Key West? Um, and we're gonna hear the phrase "Okay, boomer," um, and that's that's become like the millennial rallying cry to shut up a boomer is when they they start saying you should have saved more money, you know you didn't make good choices in your your college degree, you know the reason why millennials are the poorest generation currently is is because we didn't do a good job of of setting ourselves up economically and i'm going to start off with my own sort of thought of i don't think any generation is any dumber or or weaker or worse off than any other i think humans just across the border relatively the same year by year 
if you go back and look at ancient Rome and like there, there's a there's a website called ancient Roman graffiti and we're the same people as we've ever been like we've we've never changed <laughs> we get educated earlier we, we our IQ is slightly higher because of like the Flynn effect but as a as a species and and as an, an emotional drive we don't change really like the the same that's interesting because feel like we've, we've evolved and become more complex and so depression and lust are all it's, it's the same right it's always yeah. been like that <laughs> nothing's new so we're, we're establishing ourselves as a a not an objective authority but like we're, we're going to say we have the um at least the self-awareness to to adequately you know pick out who's judging who's the prosecution who's the defense <laughs> um the accused of course is the baby boomers economically what did they have going for them you know, um, younger generations say you guys had it super easy. And then the boomer comeback is we worked our asses off. So um, let, let's look first at degrees because that's like education is is the great bootstrap. Like if you want to talk about the thing that separates you from lower classes yep. to middle class, it's a degree. So World War Two happened. Uh, the great generation came home, had a lot of kids. That greatest generation um, about 15% of them got their college degrees. They, they got a bachelor's or higher. Um, their children uh, who grew up in an extremely prosperous time, they doubled that. So like... Well, that's substantial then, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the guys uh, shooting at Nazis were not educated. They came from farms. Uh, they came from industrial uh, areas. They, they worked in slaughterhouses and iron smelters and, and things. They were not educated, and um, when they came back, um, even after they, they came back and had time to educate themselves, uh, only 15% ended up with a degree. Um, boomers, 30% had degrees, 30% went to college of some sort. Um, so like, not only did they double the degree amount, they, they, they doubled how many of them just got some education in general. Um, and that's then a sign of a more sophisticated economy, too, like, like Gladwell says. If, if you can tell, say what you do in a job in one word, or if you have to explain what you do, then you're, you're in a more sophisticated economy, right? Right. Yeah, it's, it's a more sophisticated economy already. Um, and, and then as that progresses, like, of course, you know, when you have a, a more educated group of people, you get a larger, more stable middle class. And as um, the uh, SNL, I think is uh, Edie, in SNL saying, she said, <laughs> and then they got all the jobs and they made all the money and they bought all the houses and they won't ever die is, is the lyric she sings in Millennial Millions, the skit. Um, now, the, the crimes that they are accused of, uh, we're, we're going to talk about, you know, what, what they have uh, done with that education, that stable economy and that money. Um, uh, according to millennials who are accusing them, um, they had the most votes. Now that is, that is a significant factor that doesn't come up in a lot of arguments when, when your millennial, uh, children yell that you had it easy, very rarely do they make the complicated argument of you had the most voting cohort <laughs> in, 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 you know, politics. Um, so that's, that's significant. We're going to, they don't know that you, you, you undug that. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So what that means is, is um, if you have a, a giant group of people, like, like it doesn't matter who you are, whatever generation you are, 
traditionally before this, I mean, literally uh, before World War II, people believed that if you had a very large group of people uh, as a voting cohort and as a generation, they'd compete with each other, that um, you wouldn't get the best laws and you wouldn't get the best advantages because you'd be competing with your, your, your peers. But it makes it, sense that it makes sense that they would have similar views because they were raised in a similar environment. Right. I've I've heard um, groups of millennials, uh, my my group, complain that there's too many millennials. They're like, I I have to compete with 20 other people with my same job degree and my same title to get a, a job at a brokerage. Um, and that's not necessarily the case, because if you are in not just a, a big generation, if you are the biggest generation, yeah, you compete with your other uh, group to get a job. But you can also change the laws to make better jobs and make jobs that are more fair and jobs that provide more. Like, like you, you change laws at that point if you have the biggest group of people um, to suit you. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to compete with each other. Like if, if you're all around the watering trough and there's enough room, but you're also the biggest generation that's ever happened, you make another watering trough. You make, you make three troughs. Um, so that's, that's basically the, the, the accusation. The, the crimes accused of, of the boomers is um, they had the most sway that has ever happened in Congress and in the Senate, and they still do. Uh, according to Pew Research, um, Gen Xers, millennials, and the silent generation who are also in Congress, all combined, still have less than half the seats that boomers hold. So I'm going I'm I'm to repeat that real quick. All the other generations combined hold half or less of the seats that boomers hold, despite millennials now being larger than boomers as a population. So it's not like there are so many boomers right now living that, you know, of course, half of Congress is boomers. They, 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 you know, they're representing equally like, like it's, it's not a, a, if you're talking generation strictly, it's not a equal representation. It is just a lot of boomers who have held onto their seats forever. And, um, you know, middle-aged millennials now who are like, we still don't have representation and we're still not getting laws that favor younger people who need to start families. We're getting laws that favor people who are in their retirement uh, strictly. Um, and that is the accusation. Like I said, that is not my, my words. Those are, um, you know, people who complain about voting cohort uh, disparities. Um, yeah, uh, and and the the total amount of people now that boomers have gotten older and some of them have passed away, I said that they were you know boomers are the biggest generation that ever existed. Um, they're now about the same size as millennials. Um, if you talk just overall population, boomers and millennials each make up about twenty percent of the population. So it's it's ships passing in the night. They've equaled out now. So what are the regulations that boomers put into place? Um, they're parents the the greatest generation like i said they came from farms and factories they came back from the war and demanded uh better rights better safety nets um better regulation um so the kind of regulation that would stop predatory loaning in like say medical systems todd and i have talked in past episodes about how absolutely wild west crooked the medical insurance system is <laughs> that if if you don't have a job that um, directly provides you medical insurance. If you're a freelancer like I am, um, if you are, are 
underemployed, meaning you just don't hit full-time hours, or if you have multiple jobs and each one of those doesn't reach the requirements for medical, you have to pay for your own insurance. And it is a minefield of middlemen who want to take your money and give you subpar insurance or just something that's not going to actually cover you at all. Um, recently, I had a radiology screening. I am covered. Like, I am on insurance. And they just flat refused a um, a, a, a radiology scan that was desperately important like like it, it was it was shocking that it wasn't covered um schools uh we we talk about one of the biggest things that um the, another huge contention between millennials and boomers is uh predatory loans it's it's school debt now the the argument there is that um millennials sling this like an arrow they say you know um you know we have we have college loans that will never be repaid and it's dragging down an entire generation of millennials and the argument against that. And I totally, I agree with this is you shouldn't have taken a degree in underwater basket weaving. You shouldn't have taken a degree in like art studies or, or you shouldn't have taken a degree that will never make money. Like <laughs> no, we can only have so many, um, you know, Russian literature majors or, or people who have studied, you know, uh, the, the intricate, you know, the intricacies of like the French ballet. Um, and the, that's kind of like a, a, an easy argument to make. I see that online a lot. Um, but what we don't really talk about is um, the middlemen who gave out those loans. Like it wasn't, you know, 20% uh, uh, um, of the entire population, millennials, they did not of their own accord sitting at home when they reach the age of 18 start the complicated process of taking out a loan that's not something you can do at 18 like like <laughs> you you can try and some you know like like tell tell any 18 year old hey go get a business loan or, or um you're old enough uh, uh go to a bank and start the complicated process of taking out a, a you know a hundred thousand dollar loan on your own get the requirements together get the paperwork together go do it that is that is not something you can do without, you know, uh, um, the credit and and, you know, finances, money, uh, uh, an education that allows you to know how to do that. Um, according to the House Financial Services Committee, um, they believe about 45 million students were directly preyed upon by underregulated loan servicing systems or companies, um, meaning that um, we blame millennials for getting degrees in underwater basket weaving the response to that is we had people showing up to colleges like military recruiters who were handing out loans and who were convincing us that we were going to be able to afford to pay it back quickly once we had a degree and that um, all degrees were worthwhile um, and that these predatory loan companies i mean like like it's not even like millennials were walking into offices in the college campus to get these loans. They were coming to you. Like, like we had um, loan people who showed up at our high school for our graduating class. Um, so like <laughs> they, they called them college recruiters. What they were is they were, I don't remember the name of the company, but it wasn't the, the government. It was a company that took on the loans. And then once people defaulted on those loans would pass it on to um, creditors or the government. Um, and and fun fact, um, there, there's the other argument that they make in that episode or in the Saturday Night Live Millennial Millions. Um, I'm going to actually ask this as a question. Um, how much, Todd, do you think 
uh, college degrees have gone up since 1978 when uh, boomers went to college. I'm going to say 300%. Okay, that's a good guess. Um, adjusted for inflation. Um, like, like, like that's the, the other thing is a lot of people argue inflation numbers. Um, so this is according to Bloomberg, who is not like a millennial happy magazine. Bloomberg is kind of right wing and kind of old. Say, yeah, very yeah, conservative, it's, it's very run, conservative, conservative. And it's run by, um, it's run by boomers. So by their math, uh, adjusted for inflation since boomers went to college, it's gone up 1,100%. Okay. So I was way too high. So that I've been <laughs> buying into the, <laughs> it used to be free and now it's a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, basically. That's telling too, right? Now, like, I, there, there are people who are listening who are going to think that I am defending the millennial position that like, you know, we're not, my quote unquote generation isn't at fault for taking on terrible loans. Um, I blame everybody. Like I, I think it is the the individual's responsibility to realize that they are sitting in front of a a scumbag who is trying to sell you a loan for something that's gone up a thousand percent in in its inflation or or, or it's gone up in price a thousand percent in the last forty years, and that you know you're never going to pay that back. Um, I am sitting comfortably from a position of I dropped out of college when I ran out of money. I didn't take loans. Um, I am currently now taking classes again. Like I like I, I've, uh, I think that I can sit on a high horse of I've never really been in debt, except for temporary because of um, you know fighting the medical system in different circumstances. But that's not necessarily a good thing because like I I never actually finished my degree. I ended up I got a a PI license and I've held you know, um, trade licenses basically in, in security industries. But like, I haven't actually felt the sting of a, a crazy student loan because that was my father. Like, like my father had, um, student loan debt until he died, um, literally till the day he died. And your personality is you're very conservative and you're a saver. I mean, you're just not a spender. You, you'll, you'll look for ways to, you know, yeah. save. I, I think that is because I, I witnessed, crushing destructive debt all throughout childhood and i was like oh okay now that's what happens when you you get on the hook you know financially for anything um i i will say just personal opinion most of the accusations i've heard against boomers i think are bullshit um but the idea that um they had the most votes and they they currently hold congress they've held it for a long time um, the accusation that boomers have spent their voting years dissolving regulation and now corporations own everything, uh, from the loans being taken out by teenagers and houses being bought by out of state companies and turning them into rentals at the maximum price and third party medical insurance groups that prey on people in a crisis. I know I sound anti-capitalist right now, especially, I mean, like, which is weird for me coming from somebody who is basically an ex-libertarian. Um, but all of these basically stem from deregulation. And if, if we're going to accuse the boomers of something, that's something you don't hear from a millennial who like your, your children, if you're a boomer, your child has never slammed the door on you and screamed, you had it easy. My problems stem from your generation's deregulation. <laughs> that's, that is not something that is screamed, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, I... I, I will kind of like wind this back. You are a private business owner and, and you've kind of 
worked within the system, you've owned multiple companies or, or small businesses. Do you feel like like regulation has ever been like let you down, like like medical or loans or, or something? Do, have you felt that sting? Do you do you feel like things are less are are should be less regulated or should be more regulated? Um, I think with regulation comes cost. So no, I, I feel like it's a way of just being taken advantage of, especially small businesses. Small businesses, you get hit on every single thing. You're just being fined almost to death. And then you actually get taxed, not just on your business um, through the state and through sales tax and wherever you operate, but then also on your personal things. So you actually get it twice. It's very, very hard for a smaller business owner. You, you don't get the advantages of the tax stuff that, that the big businesses get. Right. I, I think that is the the rebuttal to um, uh, whether or not deregulation was a good thing. Um, because boomers, uh, um, as a as a generational cohort, they favored Reagan and Reagan's outlook on um, finances and economy. So the the cutting of safety nets and the deregulation um, that we're seeing, it, a lot of it was to 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 build small businesses and to build the middle class. Like like a lot of it in good spirit was to make it easier to um, to to build a, a business like you have. Um, I just think that it it that deregulation has led to a lot of predatory activity from companies. Um, do you remember uh, the episode where we talked about uh, the the root of the housing crisis? We we had a whole thing where we talked about David Lord Willits. Oh, he, he's a no, uh, I he's a. I don't recall that one. Okay, we we've now had so many um, episodes about the housing crisis that uh, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> um i've i've forgotten or my brain has like smeared them all together into sort of just this gray mass of episodes we've talked about um he is the minister of state for the universities and science and paymaster general he was the lord commissioner of the treasury he was a member of british parliament um he's also known as the right honorable and the lord willits um so he is he is britain's money man um like he he is uh he's basically like the the whiz bang genius of Britain, and he is you know he was their paymaster general and parliament and all that stuff. He wrote a book called The Pinch, and our very first episode about housing. Um, I think when we first started talking about it, um, I just went with him. Like like my my answer to why are we having a housing crisis? I wasn't blaming boomers. I was blaming uh, the same people that he blames. He blamed older generations who um, bought up all the starter homes before younger people could get to it and start families. And instead they bought up all the starter homes and um, additional accessory units and turned them into rentals. Um, and that's, I mean like that is such a, uh, um, a standard playbook now that, that, that me saying that may not even ring on anyone's ears as alarming. Um, at the time he was ringing the bell, like he was saying, this is going to crush our economy in 20 years. We're all dead. Um, and at the time it kind of fell on deaf ears cause it didn't seem like a big deal. Um, the, the guy who wrote rich dad, poor dad, he had written his book and his advice or his, his method of getting rich, uh, was he had invested in, uh, rentals and housing. Um, that's what everybody was doing. Like that's, um, you go to your, your, your money manager at a bank, they were going to tell you, um, you know, Hey, if you want something safe, invest in housing, like buy three or four extra houses 
Um, you know, in the 90s, houses were a terrible investment. In 2008, they were a crashing investment. But then after that, it became a pretty safe thing to do. Like you, you bought a house or you bought three or four extra houses. You rented them out. That was your that was going to be your your retirement money. Well, what that ended up happening is too many people gave that advice. Too many people read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And it, it led to um, a absolute uh, removal of uh, starter small family homes. Um, and then Airbnb happened. Uh, and then basically the, the, the housing crisis we're in is because now nobody has access to starter homes. Like nobody, anybody who is younger than a boomer cannot get into a starter home period. The end. Um, we had a whole episode, uh, uh, last month or the month before about now there are, um, uh, investment companies that will go in and buy privately owned houses and turn them into rentals at maximum price. Like they will come in and like they'll, they'll, you know, one of these retirees, these boomers we're talking about, they'll have three homes and these people will offer them, Hey, sell us one of your three homes. It's, it's a crappy little rental that you use for side money. We'll give you maximum price. We'll, we'll literally pay you, you know, a, a two, you know, $200,000. We'll, we'll give you the amount you want. Just give it to us. And then they sell it. And then what they do is they turn around and as a company, a company has bought this from you, they flip that home and they now charge $2,500 in rent if you're living in Florida and there's no getting it back. That, that, that now belongs to a company and you cannot get it back into the hands of the public again. Um, that's the, the big trend we're moving toward. David Lord Willett warned everybody about this. He's like, hey, you know, th this isn't necessarily a knock on boomers. I hope this isn't coming off as a skewer. This was him warning everybody 20 years ago uh, that this was happening. And and now we're kind of sitting in that mess. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad's worth $120 million, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I bash on him a lot, but he could he could buy our podcast. and he could He's annoying as fuck, though. He really is, you know. Yeah. Talk about higher social class. And, uh, uh, yeah, Robert. Yeah, it's Robert Kiyosaki. Is he a boomer? He would be. I bet by the looks of his uh, his age lines, he looks like it is to me. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. On Rich Dad, on his website, he, he has a, an article called How to Survive the Coming Baby Boomer Retirement Crisis which is what we're basically going to be talking about in 10 <laughs> seconds. Like that is, that is what the subject of today is about. That's okay. Perfect. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely gold. Um, so we, uh, there is a, a counselor to Clinton. We're talking about the prosecution here where we're still talking about the accusers, uh, uh, who are bashing on boomers. Um, the canary in the coal mine was, uh, David Lord Willits, uh, who, who said this housing thing is going to bite us in the ass. Please stop you know, using them as assets instead of places to live. Um, uh, Paul Begali, who is one of Clinton's counselors, um, he's a political writer, political counselor. He, he did an Esquire article and he, he wrote the following. I'm just going to quote him. He said, quote, if, dem uh, if demographers call you a boomer, you probably hate our generation's elite as much as I do. It is my contention that the single greatest sin a generation can commit is the sin of selfishness. And it's from this standard that I draw my harsh conclusion, uh, which is to say, uh, instead of taking risks and trying to make things better for their children, which is something every generation is expected to do, 
boomers basically voted for policies that made it riskier for their children uh, economically. Um, They voted for policies that, you know, were riskier, made it riskier physically and mentally for millennials. Millennials aren't going to live as long as boomers by like a couple of years, um, I think is the last estimate. Um, And boomers built nest eggs out of the housing that was available and they voted for tax breaks instead of um, better schools. Um, so that, that's the argument that is made, um, against boomers. Like we're to, to tie everything into a neat bow. That's the short and skinny of it. That is, they have their hand on the lever of power. They haven't made it easier for the next generation. They've made it harder. Um, and it was because they got, um, used to a really, really cushy economy. And instead of, uh, as, as the world's economy is going to shit, it's not just America. That's kind of like, we're not doing so great recently. It's, you know, the world is struggling, but boomers want it to be as easy as it was when they started. Like they, they got adjusted to a, a pretty nice setup. And so they keep voting on tax breaks and, and they keep voting on things that will keep it that way for them specifically for their age cohort. Um, does any of this sound crazy or unfair? Like I, I don't want to read all of the accusation, make it sound like it's my own opinion and, and sound totally insane. No, you sound great. You sound great. Okay. Um, now, now we're going to get into the defense. Um, I almost wanted to like invite, um, somebody older to read this stuff. Cause it, again, it, it, I don't want to like sound like I'm speaking out of my, my generation group or, or, or out of my league. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to read from a couple of writers who put up a pretty good defense. Um, the comment section wasn't very favorable to them because some of the stuff they said wasn't super well thought out. The, the best article I could find, and this is the one that everybody online was reacting to, like this became such a big smash hot button uh, um, article that it, it garnered a lot of hate and a lot of argument. Um, the article is called uh, Millennials Extreme Hatred for Baby Boomers is Totally Unjustified. And this was in the New York Post. It went viral. Like it, it was. <laughs> uh, um, and the, the author is uh, Stephen Cuzo, who is a newspaper editor, a restaurant critic, and a real estate columnist. And he's also a boomer. I didn't need to say that last part, the the boomer part. I could have just said newspaper editor and restaurant critic, and people probably would have guessed boomer was coming next. Um, but yeah, he, he wrote for the New York Post that um, boomers being hated on is unjustified. And his his arguments, some of them have already been debunked. And I'll, I'll put those out first so that we can say that if you go to read this article, there are some sections that don't exactly line up all the way. Um, he said he, he claims that boomers won the Cold War against communist tyranny and along the way brought us unprecedented prosperity and tech innovation. Now, that is true as a voting cohort, as a as a large group. You uh, Boomers lived through the Cold War. They lived through the basically the biggest, scariest thing that could happen, which is total existential threat all the way. Like, um, uh, I don't I don't mean to like in. Um, imply that you are older than you are, Todd. Did you ever have to duck and cover? Like, did you have, did you hear about the, the fallout drills from nuclear bombs? No, I am not that old. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. 
I wasn't worried about the Cuban Missile Crisis. No, I read I, about it. Okay, I, I won't ask about, about black that. and white TVs. <laughs> Those I do. They gave you a headache. I do remember <laughs> when I was the remote control, and I where your your parents would kick you and say, Go "Change switch it to it channel on. six. There were three channels, and then they didn't all come in well, so you had to use um, Reynolds Wrap, and you had to wrap those around. That was just common. Yeah. If you had cable TV, you were wealthy. Yeah, not you were wealthy if you had cable TV. So I am that old. Okay, that 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 gives me a little bit of a, a more comfortable basis. I don't feel quite as bad asking you about uh, uh, if you lived through nuclear scares. So, um, but but if you are defending a generation, that's a damn good defense. Is saying that we lived through the greatest uh, threat existentially that any human could which is a bomb could come out of nowhere and wipe out everything all at once um now i i will say that the the rebuttal to that the 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 idea that boomers won the cold war um the cold war presidents i'm gonna read them there's a lot of them because the cold war was like 40 years it was truman eisenhower kennedy johnson nixon ford carter reagan and bush of those how many do you think were boomer presidents like in the age cohort Give me that one more time. Uh, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan. And finally, the Cold War technically ended with Bush. And how many were what? Boomers. You mean their age or in that generation? Yeah, that that they were a a boomer or that they were in the boomers um, age generation. Shoot, I, I can't do the math. I don't know. Okay, that's I'm being mean. Uh, it's a trick question. None of them were none boomers. Of them. None of them. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say they're all they'd all be too old. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Five were from the greatest generation. Two were from the lost generation. Two were from the silent generation. So, technically, his claim that uh, boomers won the Cold War against communist tyranny, yeah, they did. Um, but they weren't directly um making the yeah. policy that did it. Uh, in some cases, decisions. they were just yeah. around. They were just there. Yeah, it, it's kind of like me claiming that millennials beat uh, Al Qaeda. We really didn't. Like we had boots well, no. on the ground, but like millennials certainly weren't in the halls of power. We weren't making decisions. We weren't president. No, and there's yeah. always some gray-haired person that's still making all the decisions. Right. right? Exactly. There, there's still some adults making decisions that all those kids suffer for. Right. Now there's there's another uh, claim that he makes, and and again we're going to go through what credit is deserved. Um, this author claims that baby boomers were more socially environmentally conscious and contributed significantly to social progress. They opposed the Vietnam War. They they brought up feminism. Uh, they they were there for you know Mexican American activism and environmentalism. Um, now I will say this this comes from me because I have actually read quite a lot about the history of the Vietnam marches. Those were not boomers. Like some of them were. Um, but, uh, most of those were college kids. It, it was, it was a classism thing, not a, a generational thing. Boomers get credit as a generation who marched against Vietnam. Um, but I, I've dug up Pew research polls, which I will link here in case anybody is asking like, like who, who thinks that I'm wrong on this. Boomers supported the Vietnam war, like, like by a generation when asked, uh, here's the question they asked during the polls in the years 66 to 71. They asked people uh, of all generations, in view of the developments since we entered the fighting in Vietnam, do you think the U.S. made a mistake sending troops to fight? Um, this is a Gallup poll from 1966. And the 
the vast majority of boomers said, no, we did not make a mistake. We should be in Vietnam. Um, it was the college kids, the, 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 the long haired hippie college kids, uh, who were, um, protesting while most boomers actually supported the war. Um, the younger generation supported the war, the greatest generation, the older generations did not, um, they, they had seen war, like they had punched Nazis in the face. They didn't like it. They, they, it sucked. It was cold and there was a lot of shooting. Um, but the boomers hadn't seen war. And so they mostly supported it. They, they thought it was okay. They, they didn't think we made a mistake going into Vietnam. Even, even as we chased them into Laos, they didn't think so. Um, stuck on stubborn and stupid, right? Yeah. Um, I will say though, that uh, the rest of it, I, I think his, his assessment is correct. I, I think that it is accurate that boomers did uh, all his argument that boomers are more socially and environmentally conscious. I agree with that. Like they, they basically invented, you know, Greenpeace and the environmental movement. Um, I don't know if it's stuck. I don't know what your, your opinion on, on how uh, climate activism is going right now. Um, I, yeah, I think it's gaining steam. I think it's, I, th- I think so too. Um, I, I should honestly have looked up which generations are more environmentally conscious right now. Um, but certainly in the seventies, it was the boomers leading the fight against whaling like Greenpeace and the, the, you know, don't kill the whales and, and stop polluting and, and stop putting things in the ozone. Um, I, I give boomers all the credit for basically starting that. I think a lot of them have defaulted to money though in, in older age. Um, there's there's the old yarn about how you get more conservative as you get older. Uh, I think a lot of them have sided with lower taxes and not necessarily giving a shit about climate change. I think your value comes into that too because you're not pretty or gorgeous anymore, so you yeah <laughs> fit or or fun, so you have to get kind of um, your values and your stuff and and hoarding your wealth. Right. If I'm personally not a 10 anymore, at least my assets are a 10. (laughs) Now, the rest of this article's argument, I think the reason why he drew so much heat is because he started by making some pretty good arguments about um, what the boomer generation accomplished, which is pretty awesome. And then the rest is bashing on millennials. I shit you not, the, the, the latter half of his article is just shitting on millennials. Like his his argument and and you it's okay if you write an article that is crapping on millennials, but his article was a defense of boomers. Like like it was supposed to be his article from the title uh um you know the the hate for boomers is unjustified is the title of his article and he spends half of it uh as an attack, which is really not the way to go if you're defending your generation. And his his method of attack is he 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 dissolves into the sort of like rant about like, um, you know, he he says, I'll I'll just quote him. Um, he he talks about like he he turns this into he's a boomer columnist who's also a food critic. Uh, he's talking about the millennial making his coffee, and he says, quote, but many quote unquote working members of their generation wear their resentment on their unironed sleeves. A stone Starbucks clerk, after asking me to endlessly repeat my order for a grande coffee, then repeating it to himself, asked me. What were you having? So he's he's basically I don't uh, it's it's hard and dirty to read through this, but his whole thing is is he spent half of his article 
saying that boomers accomplished some pretty great stuff. And then he used a little bit of shaky logic there that we kind of diffused a little bit. And then the rest of his article is, but look at millennials. Aren't they lazy, stupid? And and aren't they, you know, they, they can't even get my coffee order right. Which is kind of the most entitled boomer thing that you could do to end an article trying to defend your generation. Um, and the, the reason we're reading this and not something like David Lord Willits, but the boomer version, the reason we're reading this and not something that is like better constructed as a defense for boomers is because this is the most popular one online. If you look up, if you type in the words, you know, boomer hatred unjustified or, you know, millennials shouldn't hate boomers or anything like that, any combination of those words, you you pop up the Stephen uh, uh, Cuso article uh, from the New York Post. There is also um, Sam Hill. Uh, he does Newsweek. His entire article, um, he, he tries to defend boomers too. And his is like the second most search uh, article defending boomers. And um, almost all of his, uh, his methods of defense are claiming that millennial complaints aren't as bad as how boomers had it. Uh, he says, quote, opioids, you think that's bad? We had heroin and crack. <laughs> um, but, but there's a difference there. Like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue that one just because that is an ignorant statement. No, I, I could speak to that, too. The, the drugs and the fentanyl um, is, is more deadly than any time. I mean, they're, they're making drugs more potent, including weed. Everything, meth, heroin, everything's gotten more dangerous. Yeah. And there's a very, very, very uh, important thing he totally leaves out there. Yes, boomers had it bad with crack and heroin, but those were illegal. Like, like our generation has faced and, and boomers have faced this too. They were taking the same opioids, but opioids are worse because they were legal. Like they were being prescribed by doctors like like and we we, you know, we have regulations against crack and heroin. Um, so uh, but also if you look at any article whatsoever, preventable overdoses has gone up 800 percent since 1999. So again, that's another argument defending boomers that just completely and totally falls flat against um, the the massive uh, percentages that have have risen. Is that does that uh, is that adjusted for per capita? You know, because there are so many more people in the world. There's more of everything, right? Yeah, there's more crime in the world, but you're less likely to be a victim of a crime because the world's bigger. That is a very good point. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's it's adjusted. Um, that is from the National Safety Council. We will have a link to that. Um, <laughs> like, I, I know that every single stat I bring up, uh, the usually the arguments that come up when you bring up a stat like that is is a per capita uh, with the money one. It's it, is it adjusted for inflation? So we're we're gonna link to everything because we don't want people like we don't want to throw out a very bold sounding statistic and not and not have it you know, available to read. Um, but yeah, he he also gives boomers credit for racial progress. Um, but in an unrelated, like a different, okay. So he, he says boomers, uh, led racial progress in America, but he literally wrote an article the year before said a timeline of racial progress and the lack of it. So he, he destroyed his own argument. Like <laughs> in that, in that paragraph, he, he, he basically destroyed his own argument because he has written about how little progress there's been. I, I guess to like recap boomers live through communism. Um, they were approximately 13 in age. Like the, the oldest boomers were 13 around the age of Woodstock. So the, the whole idea of 
we started free love and um you know fought against the the establishment and the strict you know button up uh starch collar world that the um grace generation had built they actually kind of didn't they were around 13 years of age uh, at best during woodstock um so if they were there they were young and they were consumers of the um revolution that was going on um they built uh business and infrastructure around the tech boom um a lot of the tech wizards were younger than boomers but infrastructure isn't cheap and building that out as as a um you know building tech businesses i'm not going to take that away from anybody um our world is um technologically where it is because of baby boomers um taxes are much lower than they were in 1969 um but again, that's at the cost of regulation and safety nets. Like I wouldn't send my kid to a school right now, like a public school, <laughs> um, which which is, uh, again, if you if you have your hand on the lever of Congress and have for 40 years, then that's what you do. You, you just make it easier on yourself and your generation cohort. I, I'm, that's not selfishness. I don't think that is just you're doing what you will um, what will make your life easier as you age. And it so happens that those regulations also make it harder for the generations below you. Um, and Sam Hill's article also brings up something interesting, which is um, boomers connected the world. Um, you know, in 1969, a 10-minute long-distance phone call would cost you $15. <laughs> um, That's before your time, too. You don't understand that either. Oh, no. I, I made collect calls in high school. Oh, you did? <laughs> I did. Phone. From the state pen, right? You get to collect calls, but other than that, That's where you, it was from. you called after nine. You called after nine p.m. because there were long distance rates. They they had some scams back in the day too, <laughs> right? Thousand dollar phone bills were a thing. <laughs> I I'll tell you um, how cheap I was. I, collect was just going away when I was in school. I would call yeah. collect, and I would do that dumb thing where it says, "Say your name." I would say my message in 10 seconds instead of my name. Like I'd, I'd be like, I'll be home later or just <laughs> I'll be home at nine. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, I, I, I really honestly tried to find um, good science to prove that boomers are the best generation. Um, like some of these articles claim. Uh, um, I found a study in Edinburgh, uh, like University of Edinburgh that was uh, interviewed 55 boomer grandparents and they pointed out that boomers in the current economy, uh, a record number of boomers are choosing to take care of their grandchildren instead of uh, continuing jobs or continuing their own pursuits because millennials can't afford childcare. Um, if, if you try to um, get, uh, what is it called, daycare for your kid while you're working, it's like $800 a week. It, it is an insane, mind-blowing number. That, that is impossible. So um, many, many boomer grandparents are, um, I, I actually met one of these people. We had a, um, uh, it was like a, a birthday party for um, my fiance's parents. And one of the guests was like, I'm a teacher, but I'm literally retiring this year because I make less than it would cost to um, take care of our grand, uh, the grandkids. Like <laughs> she's like, my pay as a teacher is less than 800 a week. And she's like, it i'm saving money by quitting my job to take care of the kids sad sad yeah. sad sad yeah these 
these boomers aren't doing it entirely selflessly. They're not making the next generation better. They're just taking care of their grandkids. Like it's their flesh and blood in most cases. Um, but it is still something where like, it's something like it, it, it is, they, they are contributing to the next generation in, in a way. Um, just not, not in Congress, not in voting. <laughs> I, I know I keep laughing throughout this episode, but it's, it's just so weird to read this stuff and read the stats and be like, okay, yeah, this, this is, this is what happens if you have power for that long. We are now at the, um, the fruits of the labor, the, the, the insane, crazy twist of what happens when you, uh, don't regulate, um, uh, housing investment and, and, and housing. Um, did you hear the article that came out, uh, last week about baby boomers becoming homeless? No. As more people struggle to make ends meet, a startling number of those newly homeless are baby boomers. When you said that, I was kind of shocked because I think of them being just well off. I mean, house paid off, you know, money in the bank. Yeah. Far from homeless. Right. Um, like, like I think of... Um, I, I, I think of what the, the Saturday Night Live skit said. Like, like... Saturday Night Live is like, you know, this is a parrothead boomer that lives in Key West and and she has like, you know, uh, three houses and and got a severance. Yeah, um, complaining about the cost of an, complaining about, you know, menial things like oil changes and haircut. I remember when a haircut was five, you know, it was two dollars and, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So but, um, but not hurting for anything. Yeah, exactly. Like complaining, but not hurting. Um, this article came out November 4th uh, by Sarah Lewis. And this is on Yahoo Financial uh, page. And the the title is, uh, quote, unconscionable. American baby boomers are now becoming homeless at a rate not seen since the Great Depression. Here's what's driving the terrible trend. Um, so in the article, it basically talks about how we have now hit a tipping point. That is, These are my favorite episodes to do is when we hit a tipping point and we, we pass 50% of anything. Um, we had a, an episode a while back about the tipping point for college degrees that now more than 50% or about 50% of people don't think they're worth it. Like parents, half of parents are saying, don't bother getting a, a degree. It's not, you're not going to pay it back. Um, we've reached the tipping point for boomers and housing. So um, let, let's, let's step back a little bit. 1990, uh, about 10% of homeless were 50 and older. I, I think of homeless people, I don't know why, this is me being dumb, I think of homeless people as being older. I usually think of like a scruffy bearded dude with a sign um, that says, please help. Um, but it, it's, that's not the case. Th those are the visible homeless, uh, and those are like the, the older homeless who are like uh, cardboard sign begging for change uh, in a city, which is where I worked, by the way. I worked in downtown Portland. Um, which there's so a I, mix where, where we have a lot of homeless children and stuff. So maybe, yeah, your self-awareness was off a bit, right? It totally was. Yeah, I, I was wrong on that. Um, back in 1990, only uh, 10 or 11% were 50 and older. So so most homeless, the majority of them were under 50. So young, um, it, relatively young. Um, and and that, you know, I, I can see that being part of the housing crisis. That, that went up slowly, by the way. In 2003, um, at 37% were 50 and older. Um, so now you're getting into like, you know, uh, 
what is that? Gen X reaching retirement? No. Who's who's older than boomers? Um, that would be uh, the silent generation reaching retirement and not having enough money, basically. Um, so 30, 37% of the homeless were 50 and older. Um, now it's gotten crazy. Uh, this article breaks the news um, that, that like, um, let's see, who, who reported on this? Uh, Dennis Coolhan of the University of Pennsylvania, who is a social policy professor, um, and UCSF, which is University of California, uh, San Francisco. Um, they're reporting on these rates, uh, a 2020 journal from the American society on aging. So like there's, there's a couple sources who have verified this and basically it's 50%, uh, or more homeless now today, 2023 are, are boomer age. They're, they're 50 and older. So half of the homeless are people who we associate with having boomer money. <laughs> like, like the, the, the Saturday Night Live skit. And all those like people bashing on on boomers, um, saying that they're you know a selfish generation. They've taken everything. They they made the policies to favor themselves. They have all the money. And turns out at the end, um, you know half of the people entering into homelessness are boomer generation. Um, the number one quoted reason for homelessness. I say why. It is, it's housing and rental costs. Um. The, the, the number one quoted reason for homelessness of the older generation, the boomer generation entering homelessness, um, they're saying that rental costs exceeded their retirement, housing costs exceeded their retirement, or that they were forced to sell or uh, pressured to sell. There's a bunch of articles that, that like have examples of this, but we'll just sort of like briefly walk through how that happens. Um, I During our housing episode where we talked about um, investor uh, groups that are buying houses as a, a um, like a, like a board of investors literally are buying houses out of state, turning them into rentals and then using those rentals as sort of like a, a farm. Like they're, they're fleecing rent from people because they, they charge the most amount. How this happens is you have a boomer who owns their three retirement houses that are, could have gone to a, a, a single family. Instead, they're using them as a, an Airbnb. Um, and that boomer, uh, you know, has somebody come in and offer them, like we said earlier, like, like they, they are offered a tremendous amount of money to sell. They sell and then they have less income, like less retirement, less income. And, you know, like they, they have a bubble of money that they use or spend or whatever. And then after that's gone, um, they are now down to paying their own rent or their own rental or their own upkeep or whatever they're doing. Um, and, as that happens, the the neighborhood around them gets bought up by um, companies or, or other groups or investment groups that are doing the same thing. So like they get surrounded by rentals and and eventually the cost of living, the the crazy inflation that's going on right now, a head of lettuce is five dollars, like <laughs> milk is, you know, eggs are, are, are ten dollars, like like you, you have to trade um, gold bullion to, to get your hands on some bacon. Um, that's all happening. Their meds are going up. And what ends up happening is, is they slowly get housing crushed. They, they get rental crushed, uh, especially if you live in the city. Um, that's, that's a big thing. We talked about how uh, Jared Kushner owns like 9,000 uh, rental units in the city. His company does. And then he got like an infusion of cash from like uh, you know, Saudi Arabia for like $2 billion. So like 
this is this is something that is very very valuable H housing and using houses as a um as a fleecing system has become extraordinarily valuable and it's leading to half of all homeless uh being boomers and while this i see this as a serious fucking problem having so many aging americans about to face you know medical crises because when you have older people on the street they are are medically um uh vulnerable um and meanwhile millennials my generation are reading this and are making jokes on twitter and i'm gonna read a couple to you um that's not that's, not, that's more <laughs> bullying right it is bullying yeah, that's exactly right i think that's that's probably why the snl skit isn't on on youtube for the same reason because at this point like it, it used to be funny like 10 years ago it was like boomers had all the money all the power and all the votes so like it's funny to punch up now it's starting to punch down because boomers are going homeless at record rates. Um, somebody on Twitter said uh, some, but, but something, something bootstraps. Um, and, and again, the, a lot of these are Reagan jokes because boomers um, as a voting cohort favored Reagan and his policies. Uh, another millennial tweeted, uh, did it not trickle down? Question um, mark. Here's kind of one of my favorite ones. Uh, somebody said, I told my dad to stop eating all that avocado toast and drinking all those lattes. He should have saved more. Um, now we know it, where Saturday Night Live got its content, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's... It, uh, we'll, we'll link to an article, a very old one. This is a, an article from 84 from the New York Times that is, uh, it's called um, Baby Boomers Appear to Rally Around Reagan. Um, that's That's it's it's the the number of support that reagan had from baby boomers um so so going into the future this is the crazy part to me i i don't see this as a boomer versus millennial problem we're and now we get into my tinfoil hat territory if that's okay um that's how a lot of episodes end i'm i'm sorry for that um <laughs> you don't ever have tinfoil hat moments why is it that on the episodes <laughs> You have like kind, wise advice at the end. I I put on a tinfoil hat. You can hear it crinkle, and then we get into anyway. Um, pretentious prick. That's why. <laughs> that's the truth of it. Um, I don't see this as a a boomer versus millennial problem. I see this as a boomer versus boomer problem, uh, except that it is um, the voting cohort who could have established regulations on housing is now losing all their houses. Meanwhile, the boomers in Congress and Senate, half of them are boomers. Like, like, and here's something else that's, that's fun if you want to talk numbers in Congress. Half of Congress also has something else, which is stocks in housing rental companies and rental properties as assets. So like the very problem that is causing boomers to lose their houses quicker at accelerating rates is something that both Boomers in Congress are overrepresented and boomers in Congress have a absurd amount of rental properties and, and properties as assets, which means that they're not going to vote this down. Like, like the trend of boomers voting for things that make their life more comfortable, especially in Congress and Senate, that's going to continue. And it's, it's continuing in a way where it is now upper class versus lower class. Um, it, well, and and again, like that's their retirement. Like <laughs> the old argument of of um, 
when David Lord Willits put out the call for maybe we shouldn't uh, turn all of the single family homes that millennials need into investments. And boomers responded with, but it's our right to invest in whatever we see is the best uh, um, investment that we can make. Like, like it's, it's our right to, you know, work on a good retirement and a sound financial plan. That is the exact argument that um, congressmen and, and senators are making is we own assets in rental and, and Jared Kushner has, you know, uh, 9 million uh, uh, rental slums in, in New York and, and all these, all these people who are gobbling up the houses and turning them into uh, assets. The exact argument they make is what the argument boomers made in Lord Willett's day, which is this is our retirement. It, it's, you know, um, it is our right to uh, build that out, to be, to have a smart portfolio and have smart investments. Um, I also want to point out before we end this episode that, um, there are polling places like Gallup, um, who have stopped recognizing generations like, like the, uh, Adam Conover from Adam runs everything has said this too, that, um, generation gaps are kind of made up They're They're made up for the ease and convenience of, um, getting polling numbers and for separating people into age cohorts. So it's easier to like keep track of who's voting for what and who was born in what generation and, and what happened. I don't know if I truck with that. Um, I will just recognize that um, some people just say uh, generations are totally made up. It doesn't matter. It's just um, who is currently old enough to have stock in what is, is what determines things. So the, the fabrication of boomers, millennials, and Gen Xers, that, that's all made up. It, it doesn't mean anything. Um, I will simply restate that, that I kind of believe in generation gaps. But I also don't believe that any generation is softer, meaner, more stupid, or more compassionate than any other generation. They're just raised with different expectations. Well said. That was a pretty positive spin. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredyou.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and blog articles for each of our episodes. We're not experts in anything, but we've got an opinion on everything. Mm-hmm.